Hello and welcome. You are listening to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories. So excited to start our fourth season. This is Anne-Marie Zanzel, your host, and I am so excited to share some changes to our podcast that are really great, and I think you'll be as excited as I am about it. First of all, we will be dropping a new podcast every other Friday. This is at the request of our listeners who wanted to hear more. Secondly, my producer, Barb Rollinson, will be joining me as a conversation partner as we discuss things coming out. Barb is a fellow late in lifer and also the mom of a queer kid. And so she has a lot of insight and experience to share with us. And thirdly, we're going to be focusing on the beyond. Love to hear your coming out stories, but I want to hear the beyond because sometimes magical things happen when we come out and we have a life that we could have never imagined. Many of us say this is the best thing that we've ever done. Let's get started. Welcome to the show. Tell me your story. Today on my podcast, I have one of my favorite people, and that is Barb Rollinson. Thank you. (laughs) For those of you who follow my social media content, you know Barb already. She is my podcast producer, and she helps me with online content, and she's a late-in-life lesbian like me. Yep. Barb and I have covered lots of topics together. We've discussed divorce. We've discussed the impact of coming out. We've discussed grief. We've discussed dating. But the one thing we haven't touched on yet, and we're going to cover it today, and I'm so excited to talk about this, is that Barb had a catalyst. Yep. I know. (laughs) So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, it is a term that we use in our late in life community. A catalyst in the context of queer relationships is an event or someone who wakens you to the realization that you might not be quite as straight as you thought you were. Sometimes it's a major life event, like a death, um, an accident, a divorce, um, getting sick and recovering that causes people to reconsider their sexual and gender orientation. Sometimes a catalyst can be a person, like you have a crazy crush on an actor or a musician or someone else in the public spotlight that you feel attracted to and you can't stop thinking about. But most often, a catalyst is someone you know and see in real life. In science, a catalyst is when a substance accelerates a chemical reaction. In the lesbian world, a catalyst rapidly brings up feelings of attraction. A catalyst relationship may or may not be requited. It doesn't always result in an intimate relationship, but for many, it does. And Barb... In your case, you had an intimate relationship with your catalyst. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Barb has told our story, her her complete story before on season three, episode two. So if you want to hear her coming out story, you can find the link in our notes for the show. But this time, Barb, tell me the story of your catalyst. Well, look, Emery, if we're going to get really real and hindsight 
is 2020. My real catalyst was Katie Lang. <laughs> and especially, do you remember that photo that she did? There was like a- With Crawford? Yeah, I, oh I know where God. you're going. <laughs> that photo shoot, that, that photo made me gay. For sure. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it's like for the people that are younger than us, that those that things like that were the thirst traps of the 90s. Oh, for sure. And like that was I mean, that was sensational at the time that that had come out. And I think oh, probably was the first time that I had seen a representation of sexual attraction okay. between women that was sort of held up and celebrated rather than vilified. So it really sticks out in my mind as a moment because I would have been a young teen at the time. And I remember like everybody was just agog at how sexy that that photo shoot was. And I kind of remember like I uh, being absolutely fascinated with Katie Lang and her her uh, gender expression and how sexy it was and wanting to Cindy Crawford. <laughs> did you want to be Cindy Crawford or Cindy did you want to be done by Cindy Crawford? No, no, no. I, I wanted to be the Cindy Crawford. In that oh, photo. Cindy Crawford. That's right. That's right. I'm getting confused. Um, so we're going to put a link of, into this picture in the show for all the people that didn't see it and all the people born after this magazine was um, published. But I, you know, it's a very significant photo and I remember it as well. Um, as for so those of you who don't know Katie Lang, first of all, we are guests, but <laughs> Katie Lang is an incredible singer. She's from Canada, like Barb, and she's a butch lesbian. She's super butch. Um, and an inc- extremely sexy. You know, Tonda has a Katie Lang story. She was in West Hollywood. For those of you who don't know, Tonda's my wife. She was in West Hollywood one time and she was, she went into a restaurant with some friends and Katie Lang was in there and she had three women sitting on her lap. <laughs> Lucky ladies. Lucky ladies. <laughs> I, yeah, I imagine with just how, like, her confidence, her, she's, she really stepped into her sexual identity in the nineties, I think in a way that nobody else was really doing at the time. And I can remember, like, I can remember my dad who was very LGBTQIA friendly for, you know, that his generation for sure. Um, I can remember him saying he felt so sad because he was, he thought that her career would be over when she came out. Ah. It was not that he was so sad that she was gay. He was so sad that he thought, you know, her career would be over. And of course, happily, he was wrong. Not only, I think she became more famous and, you know, she became more famous, I think, after she stepped into her authenticity and did some amazing work. So, okay, so we can I, stop talking I'm about stop, Barb, or this will be Ode to KD Lane. <laughs> Podcast because I have a couple other Katie Lang stories because okay this is the last thing she started her career here in Nashville she was a country music singer they did not know what to do with her I bet I bet yeah I'd like and it, and we should also post the picture of her in this country music dress and stuff like that 
she just she defied what was expected of a woman in the 1980s mm-hmm. um you know like when we talk about the indigo girls and stuff like that they had a real f- not real like sort of femme look for they were like quote unquote acceptable you know what i mean in their look but katie lang was not and so the funny thing is, I'm glad your father was wrong. And we are going to hashtag Katie Lang all over the place. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe we'll get to talk to her someday, Barb. I think I, you would fangirl her. and I, I, I'd I, I might faint. I don't know. Maybe I'd just <laughs> faint into your lap. But, you know, like to sort of tie it into, you know, talking about my in-person catalyst, I would say that that probably set me up for a lifetime of sort of a, a an underlying attraction for women who expressed themselves like in, in their clothing and their demeanor and their style that was uh, women who presented a little more on the masculine side Center, yeah yeah it really it set me up for a lifetime of just really being attracted to women like that but i i didn't quite connect the dots between sexual attraction and like I just it didn't the, the two the pieces didn't connect for me right away. For me, I always interpreted it as admiration. Mm-hmm. I admire her. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really admire her and how she's so distinctive and so like, you know, so because of course at the time I, I wasn't gay. I couldn't be gay. Mm-hmm. You I, were married. I was two kids. I was married. married. I had kids. I'm not I'm not gay. But, but I, I'm an ally. I admire her. <laughs> but I really admire her. So tell me the story of your catalyst. So, um, so my catalyst actually, you know, was on my radar before I had even met her. She was somebody who lived in my community. A lot of just by virtue of her position in the community, a lot of people knew who she was, including me and the work that she did. And I admired her. She was a very much. I wouldn't say she's, uh, you know, she was a super butch lesbian, but she was definitely more presented more in like male clothing. She would wear suits and bow ties and she was very dapper, mm-hmm. hair, that kind of thing, a little bit older than me. And I admired her from afar. I, I really thought she was somebody who was doing great work in the community, which she was. And I really wanted to meet her for a long time. I had seen so like, how did you meet her? Well, we met at an award ceremony and we had tons of friends in common. And, you know, I had said to two friends who came to the award ceremony, like, you know her, can you please introduce me? I'm just dying to meet her. I admire her so much. And we were up for the same award, I think. It was a, a, a women in the community kind of mm-hmm. awards awards thing. So I, I met her. I, I was introduced to her actually by two different friends. And we hit it off right away. We became friends right away. And what started with a friendship eventually over months transitioned to some deeper feelings um, on both sides. She kind of confessed her feelings first, but I remember at the time I was like, no, no, I, 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 I'm not doing, I'm, I'm not gay. <laughs> Meanwhile, I would go home at night and lie in bed and think about her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had come from, and that goes, excuse me for a second, but that goes to the old adage, straight girls don't lie awake at night wondering if they're gay. Exactly. I, I think just, they might do it one night. <laughs> <laughs> or two nights 
I think it's very normal for young, you know, college people to think about that stuff, but it's not something that you think about over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're laying in bed, you met this fantastic woman, you, you, you admi- you're still admiring her? I was still admiring her. Um, you know, it wasn't until many months later that she confessed to having some feelings, but I was like, well, no, no, that's, that's not possible. And that, that came after I had confessed to her that I felt like I had to leave my marriage and that it didn't have anything to do with her, but the two events kind of coincided pretty closely together. I I was in a marriage for 21 years where we were you know, and I, I don't wish to speak disparagingly about my ex-husband, but I, I do feel like we were very disconnected in many, many ways. We were in a, I felt very lonely. I mm-hmm. felt. That's why you have so much time for your community. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was lonely. <laughs> I felt like, you know, there was, there was hardly any in- intimacy. And I thought like, I think, I feel like we both sort of did our own thing in the same house where he would play video games and I would do art projects or play my guitar or go out to open mic or just we would fill our own time and never really be super connected. It was like we were both living on this uh, in, a, in a state of disconnect. And that was for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. So I had actually uh, earlier that year for the May long weekend here in Canada, we, my one of my very dearest oldest friends and my sister and I took a road trip to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend who I traveled with uh, was a, a counselor and a funeral director and grief counselor. And we had about 16 hours in the car together. And that's when it sort of came out. Like, I, I don't think I can stay in this marriage. Like when is right to leave? When is it right? When the kids are done high school, when they're off in the world and getting married, like there's never a good time. So I had kind of decided like enough was enough. I was 45 and how much longer would I like to wait to be happy, to find Mm -hmm. happiness. And it was after that trip and I came home and I, I talked to my catalyst who was just a friend at the time. And I said, you know, I don't think I can stay. And then at some point after that, she was like, I have feelings for you. And I was like, no, I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> but when I thought about it some more on those nights lying in bed, I realized that, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about her in that context. And what would that be like? And in fact, she had started dating another woman. And when she had told me about it, just like friends do, like gossip, hey, you never guess, I went on this date. She had told me about it. I can remember lying in bed and being wildly jealous wildly jealous yeah you know flag you may not be straight when you get really jealous when your lesbian friend or a friend that's starting to explore this begins to begins to date and all of a sudden you go I want that to be me this was it. I was what kind of flags? We're going to call those lavender flags. And I'll tell you, ask me at the end why we're calling them a lavender okay. flag. Okay. 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 So, yeah. So, um, you know, it was sometime after that when I worked up enough courage to say, you know, yeah, I would try this with you, you know, and we did. And it was, I had, I had kind of transitioned to, to living with my mom 
at the time. It first started with like sleeping on the couch a lot, speaking, sleeping in the spare room. And then it was like, I'm, I'm just going to go because mm-hmm. I'm not happy mm-hmm. and we're separated. And, um, and that's when I started to explore, um, this relationship with her. And at first, like so many catalyst relationships, it was earth shatteringly sexy. Oh my gosh. Everything. All the things, Anne-Marie. Yeah. <laughs> it was magical. It was wonderful. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. And it wasn't just about like finding sex. a sex. It wasn't just about sex. Although the sex was like entirely different than anything I had ever experienced before. Well, yeah, because women know how to make love to each other. And so, you know, I think I tell you, if you're an enterprising lesbian and you teach some straight men how to make love to them. There has got it. Maybe that's, maybe that's a course we can work on together. (laughs) Business bar. (laughs) Call it finding the doorbell because quite frankly, (laughs) Ringing the bell. <laughs> like, seriously, guys. I the pearl. <laughs> pearl coaches. Like, okay, getting real, guys. This okay, is how you okay. really, really, hold that thought. Just really, but, but they did some sort of, sir, I follow this sex, um, like sex expert on, um, on, on uh, Instagram. <laughs> she said something like, um, men, like, Two thirds of all men can't locate a clitoris on the map of an anatomy of a woman. This, yeah, that's scary. Okay, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. Like, especially and being with a a woman who, I mean, she was a a lesbian, long term lesbian, long term lesbian, long term lesbian. So she knew what she was doing, and well, and so did I. It turns out. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Is that a lot of people when they've never slept with a woman before, they have a lot of anxiety about it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The funny thing is, I don't know if you had any anxiety about like the actual act. Um, I had none because guess what, folks? All of us, sex is sex and you'll figure it out. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't like, that's probably the least thing you have to stress about. Even if your partner mm-hmm. is more experienced than you, a lot of later, a lot of people who've been out a while, don't mind showing people the ropes, but they're not really hard ropes to learn. No, <laughs> you know, so they're yeah. not. So, you know, don't stress about that. So you found out that you enjoyed the same thing and you enjoyed returning um, pleasure to her just as much as receiving. Absolutely. Like we definitely clicked in the bedroom, but we also were going through this very powerful bonding experience outside of the bedroom. And she very, very rapidly became my whole world. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think, you know, so, so as people, when, when we're in that sort of that dating phase and that courting phase, we do a lot of things that help blow, you know, those bonding chemicals that percolate in our brain to help uh, form attachment. And that's what we were going through our, our relationship transition from friendship. And I had figured, you know, we're, we're already friends. Like I know we're already friends. I know we already share the same values. I know we already care about the same things. Now I know that we really click in the bedroom. So we should just really fast forward this into a relationship and at first it was very much about, you know, all of the, the wonderful bonding parts, but 
unfortunately, it isn't until a little bit down the road when, you know, that sort of bonding phase is kind of over Mm -hmm. and you start to transition more into relationship building, I would say. I, I think that's a fair thing to call it. That it started to become really apparent that we were not compatible. Hey listeners, if you're tuned into this podcast episode, I'd say there's a pretty good chance that you, just like Barb, have experienced a catalyst relationship. If your catalyst relationship has ended, we know it can be so very painful. If that's the case, first of all, big virtual hugs to you because I know how much it hurts when you break up with your catalyst. It is so hard. It is. And I know because I have worked with hundreds of women who have had the same experience. If you find yourself struggling to recover from the end of your catalyst relationship, then Barb and I have an opportunity for you that I think you really will love. That's right. So Anne-Marie and I will be holding an in-person workshop this spring that is exclusively for queer women, non-binary people who need support to recover from the end of their catalyst relationship. And we're holding this workshop in my hometown of Nashville, Tennessee from May 16th through 19th. And this is exclusively for people who have had catalyst relationships. You know, breaking up is never easy, but there is something uniquely painful about the end of a catalyst relationship that is hard for people who haven't experienced it to understand. And in this small group, and we have room for just five participants, everyone who is participating is in the same boat. They've all had catalyst relationships too. And you know, what's really nice over the course of the workshop, you can share your story in a safe place, be in the company of people who truly understand what you're going through and learn tools to help lift yourself up and gain perspective on what you've experienced. That's right. And we're going to be doing some group work, meditation, exercises, but we're also going to have some fun too. Of course, you can't, can't come to Nashville and not have fun, right? <laughs> That's right. We are going to go to the world famous Lipstick Lounge, and it's one of the last rema remaining lesbian bars in the U.S. And we're going to take you downtown for some good old-fashioned honky-tonk fun. Yeehaw! Well, I can't wait. This is going to be such a blast. So if you need help getting over the loss of your Catalyst relationship, Barb and I encourage you to check out our upcoming workshop. The link to the workshop information page is in the description for this podcast episode. So just hit the link and you'll learn all about what we're doing. And if you can, please join us. And if you can't, that's okay. We will have more retreats in the future and we can add you to our workshop retreat newsletter list. Join us, make friends, do some healing, have some fun and be in the company of people who really get you. Just click that link below and we hope to see you at the workshop. To uh, live together. For a long-term relationship. No, there's, there was no way. We were very, very different people. There was, you know, and from my end, I felt like there wasn't a lot of sympathy for what I was going through as far as ending my marriage. And it was not a topic that I could really approach her about because she'd get very angry very, very quickly. So I have a couple of things to say about that. Okay. Yeah. 
Very normal if you're dating somebody who is coming out, who has been out a long time and you're going through a divorce Mm -hmm. and you are, you're, you know, you're, there's a lot of grief going on. Watch our, listen to our grief episode. Yes. And, and, and frankly, I'm going to say it, we're a mess. We are a mess. Yeah. Absolute mess. And so my wife wrote um, a really good article about if you are late in life, I mean, excuse me, if you are a long-term lesbian and, and, you know, you're in your 40s and 50s and you're dating a newbie, Mm -hmm. she gives you some really great solid advice in there. So we're going to, again, link this to this show. Mm -hmm. But also, too, I think the mistakes we made, Barb, is that is that because we were newbies in our relationships, because both of us dated long-term lesbians in the beginning, we are used to having women as friends. Yeah. And so the problem is, is that we talk to our, our catalyst. I didn't have a catalyst or, or, you know, your girlfriend. Um, We talk to them like we would a friend, like a female friend, but this is the thing is yes, they are your friend, but they are also your lover. Mm -hmm. They are also your girlfriend, maybe partner. And so it's very painful often for them to hear about all the stuff with an ex-husband that maybe in the back of their mind that they may be still a little worried that you'll say, this is too hard and I'm going to return to him. Mm-hmm. And so all that worry is going on for the other person in that relation, in the relationship. So it's, you know, the thing is, is that I think that if you are someone new and you're coming out and you're dating someone who's been around for a while, find other people to talk about all the stuff that's coming on with you. Therapist, a coming out coach, join Lotus Group Coaching. Barbara and I love to help you. Yes. Um, friends, um, you know, Facebook groups, but really save your, think of it. Would I tell my boyfriend this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're new because we're just new. We don't know. You ask yourself before you say to your catalyst or the woman that you're with, would I tell this to her if she was my boyfriend about my ex-husband or something Mm -hmm. like that? Well, you know, just that's a, another lavender flag information. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I really underscore something that you said there, you know, talk to talk to another friend, talk to your therapist. You know, I, I did talk to other friends for sure, but they were my straight friends. And so while they could give me a lot of, you know, uh, sympathy or, you know, sympathetic ear and I'm sorry you're going through this, they they didn't understand like they on a on a just on a more fundamental level they didn't get it so this is why and i have said this to you i don't know how many times amory i wish i had had lotus group coaching at that time in my life it would have helped me so much to be in a community of people who were going through the same thing yes similar things not everybody has a catalyst but a lot of people do yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. It it would have helped so much to talk to people who just have a deeper understanding of. And coming in March, Barb, Barb will be doing some catalyst support groups within our Lotus group coaching. Mm-hmm. So um, just letting you know that, you know, if you're really struggling with the end of a catalyst relationship, mm-hmm. there's a place for you. Absolutely. And we will be, we will be providing things for you. When the- All right. So back to your story, you realize, okay, yeah, yeah. we're great in the bedroom. Yeah, we have similar interests, but yeah. we have 
nothing in common to make a long-term relationship. So it, it really came to this point and we were living together. I had moved into her place. Um, and How quickly after you moved out of your husband's place? Out of, wait a minute. Oh, oh, patriarchy out of your home. <laughs> oh my God, that wasn't, I am, that, that was my bad. Oh, How, okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Barb, um, you could cut that or you could leave that in, but this was <laughs> our home and her and her husband's home. So yeah. how long after you moved out of your marital home did you move in with your parents? Um, I would say I, I moved out for real on July 4th, um, <laughs> but I had already been kind of going back and forth like to my mom's place. I'd kind of already done a so all our, all our U.S. people are laughing right now because July 4th is Independence Day. You know? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd moved out on July 4th and I think by mid-September I got tired of and we had we had collectively gotten tired of of me going back and forth from my mom's to her place. And mm -hmm. so I just I just shacked up there. And uh, and to me, this was like the greatest thing ever. I mean, yay, I, I, I'm, I'm getting to leave the marriage that, you know, had left me really deeply unsatisfied for a long time and transition directly into this wonderful relationship where, you know, it was feeding me in all the ways that I felt that I hadn't been fed before. It was still within the same community that I lived in. So, you know, it, I wasn't far from my kids. Um, I had shelter. I had, you know, I had security. I felt like I had hit the jackpot. But in, in fact, what I was going through was this deeply tumultuous, deep grieving and what and eventually became a very, I don't want to say combative, but what, what would happen because we weren't compatible to live together. Um, I felt like, you know, she had a very quick temper and was always quick to anger and very confrontational. And I spent a lot of the time trying to change my behavior and what I did around the house to be able to placate her. And eventually the longer I spent with her, I mean, it's tragic. And I think this happens for a lot of women who have a catalyst relationship that starts to go is you work so hard and spend so many years thinking about leaving your marriage with your husband. You go out and you have your independence day and you reclaim your independence. But for me, I was becoming a shell of who I was before. I was, I was robbing myself of independence by diving straight into this relationship. And not only that, but it was changing who I was and it, to, to placate her so she wouldn't be angry. So what I found was I was doing like, you know, scrubbing the grout on, you know, the bathroom tiles to make sure she wasn't angry because the bathroom wasn't dirty, um, ironing her sheets. So you, you became know. her housekeeper. I became her housekeeper and it was complicated by a lot of excessive alcohol use. Um, I, I discovered after moving in pretty quickly that there was a lot more drinking going on than I had realized. No, she was basically a functional alcoholic. Basically, I remember just standing in the garage with so many alcohol bottles of empties and just crying because I, I hadn't realized that it was this bad. So with with alcoholism, I think comes with with some volatility for sure. Absolutely. Um, I um, was hurt. Um, I 
I just became more of a shell of myself who walked eggshells around her because I didn't want to set her off. Like it could be something as easy as, you know, she had a towel for hand drying and a towel for drying dishes at her kitchen sink. And if I used the wrong towel to dry my hands, that could set off like an evening of argument. Disconnect. That's exhausting. It, it, it was. It was exhausting for me. It was exhausting for my kids when they came over because it was like I was they were walking on shells. Yeah. Well, true. Like I, I felt like, you know, when and when you have kids, and my kids were 13 and 17 at the time, you know, to have them come over and feel like, what if they put a cup down on the coffee table without a coaster? Like the anxiety over that was just sky high. I was, um, and because I was going through this, plus, you know, just to keep it interesting, um, I was also going through something at work where I took a leave of absence for work. I was being sexually harassed at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the combination of the sexual harassment, the, the difficulties that were seemed to just pop up in this relationship, I became quite sick. And was having to, I had to take a leave of absence of work. I was off work for six months. I was having all kinds of scopes and things trying to figure out what was wrong with me. But really, it was just my body like saying too much. <laughs> too much change, too much change. And also, too, I just want to um, note something. I noticed, you know, as Barb and I are talking here, her chest is starting to get super, super yeah. red. Yeah. And so all this trauma is can really be in our become in our bodies and remembering this trauma and talking about this is causing um barb to get like all blotchy in her skin Mm -hmm. which is completely normal oh yeah as physical reactions to things so if this conversation is causing you is the listener to have um, some sort of reaction, you know, um, it's, it's, um, we may even put a, a little warning, like a trigger warning, (laughs) a a little trigger warning, because I can see this triggering my dear friend. Mm -hmm. And what I know is that when we get done with this, I'm going to really ask Barb to go out and take a walk, take a shower. Um, A really another wonderful one, a way you can embody is to like, you know, use your five senses to name something you can smell, taste, hear, touch, and um, see. And so like really grounding yourself again, if you're hearing this conversation and you're like, oh shit, I thought I was the only one, this has happened to me, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just, and I also want to give you a lot of love, Barb, because I can only, I like, first of all, I understand how hard it was. I I really do. Um, I, I physically like crashed too. I lost 25 pounds when I came out. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all the change and transition and stuff. So oh. I completely hear you. So how long did you live with her actually? It wasn't long. Um, I had moved in in September and then I was out by February. Okay. So, so you're like, this is not going to work. I'm not. Th- well, first of all, congratulations. Well, thank you. That is really quick. Sometimes people end up, I just had a friend here who, um, she U-hauled and she came back and she was visiting with us. She's back here. Um, she U-hauled to another state and she U-hauled in December. And she said to us, I should have left in February. Mm-hmm. And that was um, a year and a half ago. Yeah. 
So, you know, and she just moved back. So I want to give you incredible kudos for leaving a toxic situation. Well, that was yeah. damaging to you and your babies. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely, I mean, I could see the writing on the wall for sure. One of the last things that we did together uh, as a couple, one of the last events that happened was her sister had passed away, tragically, unexpectedly. And we went to the funeral and uh, instead of, and I, I knew it was happening. I mean, she was already spending time with this other woman and overnight, a person who was a friend who was now her partner. Um, you know, we had gone to her sister's funeral and she sat me on the exact opposite side of the church where the funeral was. And so I can remember, like for me in my mind, that was like, this is it. Like partners sit together and comfort each other. Partners partners are there for each other in these like really devastating moments. And instead of having me sit beside her as her partner, she, she put me way on the other side. So while she was crying for her sister, I was crying because I knew this was the end. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then it pretty much happened like immediately after that in very tumultuous way. And, um, and I went back to my mom's. Mm-hmm. My question is, I have a like just a question of curiosity about your catalyst. Mm-hmm. Had you been with a bunch of other women that were just coming out before? Um, I believe her uh, her ex wife was uh, new to, like she was mm-hmm. a late in life or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the queer community, there are women that like to date married women, mm-hmm. and and and. Basically, the joke is about the toaster oven, right? Right. Um, you can read, you know, read that article too in my blog. My wife, my wife wrote that one as well. Um, but it's almost—it's very interesting. It's like I, it's not all the time. Once in a while, you'll meet somebody, and they really do just date married women. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a married woman leaves their husband for them. Sometimes I don't, but it doesn't sound like your catalyst was, but a lot of times they have, yeah, a lot of times they do. And so that can be, if you meet somebody and she's like, oh yeah, I date married women all the time. That's, you have to, yeah, you know, you you have to ask yourself, okay, what scares you about being with a woman that's available to the cat, the person who does that? Okay. I got another question for you and this Mm -hmm. might be a little hard one for you. Okay. Lay on me. Did it make it easier to leave your marriage knowing that she was out there? Hey, Amory, you know what? I think that change can be a really good thing, don't you? I do, Barb, and I'm really excited when change can bring about a lot of good things for a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. So we are changing our Lotus Group coaching program a bit. Oh, awesome. Okay, so what's going on? Well, it's going to take on a bit of a different format after February 28th or beginning March 1st. It will have the same features as before, the groups, meditation, a whole course on a classroom platform, and a very active and friendly Facebook group. That's awesome. So what made you change it? Why? What's going on? Why did you want to change it? Well, the reason why I want to change it is we are transforming the Lotus Group coaching program so that we may reach more people in our queer community. So basically, I had to free up a little of my time. 
Oh, well, that's okay. That's good. Yeah, because change is good. Absolutely. So we wanted to give everybody a warning because a lot of times people think about joining Lotus Group Coaching for a very long time before they do. But we want to let you know that for the month of February, you are still going to get all, everything in the old uh, Lotus Group Coaching Program, which depending on what time frame you sign up for, you will still get three or six individual coaching sessions with me if you sign up now. If you are interested, if you're curious, I really encourage you to book a free discovery call and you can find that link in the notes of the show. Okay, so a discovery call is for the people who don't know. What a discovery is call is a half hour call that is totally free to you. You get to meet me, talk about what's going on in your life, but most importantly, you get to share your story with somebody who understands. And you know what, Barb? What's up? I'll let you into a little secret. Okay. Um, I have been told by so many people that they're talking about maybe not being straight. I was the first person they've ever told. Wow. I know. It's really, it's really like such an honor for me. So if you want a safe, secure place to talk with somebody who understands, who will guard your confidentiality like a walled kingdom Mm -hmm. book a discovery call today that's awesome and the sign up date for getting those three or six coaching individual coaching sessions with you the deadline for that is february 28th (laughs) okay good to know change is good change is good yeah yeah i think it did i think i think if i'm really honest about it you know, I, I felt like there was this other possibility that was right around the corner waiting for me. She isn't the reason why I left. Right. But it I I would say knowing that she was there and that there was a possibility to start something there if I wanted to mm-hmm. made me feel like I wouldn't have to be so alone. Alone. Mm-hmm. And in reality, being alone would have been if, if I could give a piece of advice to people who are, mm-hmm. are coming out later in life, and especially after a catalyst, take a break, mm-hmm. be alone, be alone for a bit. It might yeah. feel scary, especially if you've been in a long-term marriage and you don't have a lot of experience being alone. Mm-hmm. But that period of time that you take for yourself to learn about who you are outside of the context of a long-term marriage rediscovering mm-hmm. who you are it's mm-hmm. a go- it's a golden moment i feel and you can, and you can date and i mean you don't have yeah. to get into a relationship right away i mean i think i'm going to be really honest too is that i met my girl like she was my girlfriend and then my partner and then my wife yeah. but i met her right when i was leaving my marriage yeah. and i really thought i was going to be alone for like six months or a year or something like that i was really sort of looking forward to that time mm-hmm. now it's really I go both ways with it honestly. I mean like I'm you know our marriage is relatively good. We have our ups and downs, but it is a good marriage. I believe my relationship with my wife has given me so many things, so many amazing things and I think it really directed me into this work. Um I think she gave me the crash course on being a lesbian because my <laughs> wife is a very secure 
queer person. You know, she's done all the work years and years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But I needed some time alone, you know? And so I really, it was really like in the beginning of our relationship, I really thought about breaking up just because I needed to be alone for a while, but we also had so many good things. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, and so I've made, I've made my peace with that, but I do agree with Barb. I think it's really important to have, even if it's six months, you know, having some alone time when you come out of your marriage. Um, If you don't, you will work your way through it and you'll have, and, and in four or five years, you'll say that was a good decision or, Ooh, that was a bad decision. It, you know, people do it all kinds of ways, mm-hmm. but I do agree with Barb. If you can have some time to yourself in the beginning, after you leave a marriage that you've been in for a while um, and you're going from the straight world to the queer world, if you can have some alone time, I highly, highly recommend it. I, I really feel like that is a time, if you can have that time, where you get to, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm full of cliches, but reintroduce yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. Discover who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's as simple as um, I changed the way I drank my coffee when I left my marital home. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. drink it the way he drank it because mm-hmm. that's how he prepared it. Mm-hmm. You know, or, hey, I don't like scrambled eggs. I'm going to start making my eggs over easy now. (laughs) But you always made scrambled eggs. You know, it's interesting when I did finally get that piece of time on my own. It came later. I did a lot of redecorating. I painted every wall in my house pink. Mm -hmm. Um, Hung a bunch of chandeliers. I really like put visually put my stamp on my space to make Mm -hmm. it feel like it was a reflection of me. And part of that was just a creative way of figuring out who I am and expressing myself and not having to ask anyone's permission to do it. It was my decision and I got to make the final decisions. I got to hang the wallpaper. I got to, you know, (laughs) and, and it felt so good to create that space. That was a reflection of me. But while I was working on the outer stuff, I was also processing inner stuff. And so what was it like when, okay, you moved back home to your mom's. Yeah. Yeah. What was the end of that relationship like for you emotionally? Um, I would say it it was um truly the hardest thing that I have ever gone through in my mm-hmm. life. I know and you have a blog piece about catalysts um where you say that you've never had your heart broken truly until you've had it broken by another woman. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. I, I agree with that statement 150% for if sure. If you're gay. If you're gay. <laughs> if you're gay. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do like there's there, there was nothing I could do to fix it. And I could, there was nothing I could do that was ever going to get us back to that magical space that we had, were in at first, you know? So it, it was, it was truly in, I think the truest sense of the word devastating because I had lost my home. I was no longer living with my children. I was physically sick. I was taking a six month leave of absence from a job where I was not going to go back. So I was out of work. A lot of my stuff, you know, I never reclaimed it. I'm, you know, still to this day missing things like baby photos. And, you know, like I, I, it was almost like, my life had caught fire and burned to the ground. 
And I spent a lot of days in bed with the blankets over my head in the dark, just trying not to, just trying to recover, just trying to cover. It was truly the most depressing, most challenging time of my life, for sure. So how did you recover? Well, slowly. (laughs) But with, I I, this is the part where I could get emotional. It's the most important person in my life is my sister. Mm -hmm. So I would say she saved my life. I'm really lucky to have her. Mm -hmm. Okay, deep breath. I, I brought these books out because... Um, she gave them to me when I was in that state. She got, she got me these. Mm-hmm. What are they? What books? They're called Goodnight I... Stories for Rebel Girls. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love these books so much. And they are, um, they're children's books, actually. And they're all illustrated with, by different, like every illustration is done by a woman. And it features women from history, like from, you know, thousands of years ago to today who have de- accomplished incredible things. There's Amelia Earhart. Nice Possible lesbian. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you helped me so much. So there, was so there were so many, like so many amazing, there were short, short stories. So actually being written for children for me at that time was probably not a bad thing because I also couldn't concentrate at the time, like, you know, just going through this heavy, heavy grief. And she gave me these books. She said, you know, I, I've learned about them from somewhere. I had them um, for some, someone else. And I'm going to give these to you. And hopefully you'll find some inspiration. And ha- reading these very short, easy to consume stories that were very, very inspiring. Once I read these stories, I felt like, oh, okay. There's been a lot of women out there who have gone through things that are much much harder than what I am going through right now. They have been through war. They have been through disease. They have been through discrimination. Um, they have surmounted the odds in ways that people would think weren't going to be possible, and they did it. So reading reading these stories really helped me to think, like put that idea in my head of if if they can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Right. Absolutely. And that's what changed my mindset. And I was able to move forward thinking, I'm not going to feel like this forever. I'm, I'm going to be okay. And I guess the other piece of advice, again, given to me, my, my sister was, you know, um, just move forward incrementally. Don't feel like, you know, you have to consider like the whole problem was like, I have no place to live. I need a new job. Like, don't think about you have to solve all these big problems right away. Absolutely. Baby steps, baby steps towards baby steps forward. And then when you have like 10 baby steps, it turns into one big step. Well, that's, and that's the thing is that a lot of times I find with the client, our clients is that they focus on so many different things. Only it's just one, one little step at a time. And, and I agree with Barb is like you all of a sudden take a 10 um, little steps and you have a giant step. And mm-hmm. so you don't have to, if you're going through, if you've left your marriage because of a catalyst and it's not working in, it's not working out and you're considering leaving your catalyst or you have left, you don't have to figure everything out at once. No. And this is also, again, you know, circle back to 
well, the kinds of support that you need at the time. Again, this is another reason why I had, I wish I had had Lotus Group coaching because mm -hmm. to work with a coach, not just like a therapist who helps you process what you're going through. But I think with coach mindset, it's very much about, we're going to set a goal for you. Right. And how are we going to achieve that goal? Right. And that would have helped me so much. I think to have that kind of guidance to getting those baby steps, you know, turn into. Well, yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, therapists are, are more, you know, I'm a big believer in therapy, but they're, they help you process the emotions. They may link it back to a certain ways of behavior, certain experiences and stuff like that. While a coach is much more focused on um, my type of coaching is group coaching. So it's more focused on community mm -hmm. um, resources and what like Barb said, planning more for the right now mm -hmm. and the future, not, and, and I do obviously have counseling experience so that I can help you do some of the past work, mm -hmm. but it's really more about, okay, how are you going to do this? You know, from the emotional, spiritual standpoint, but from also the real practical standpoint of someone who's been there, yeah. <laughs> you know, someone who's divorced in the United States, someone who's divorced in Canada, yeah. you know, it is, we have like really practical advice. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's um, future focused, right? I like that. Yeah, it's future focused. And so a, a couple of questions, when I hear you talk about that time and I hear like how devastated you were, yeah. um, I was very devastated too. Do you have any regrets? Um, I don't regret leaving my marriage. It was something I'd processed a lot. I regret leaving as quickly as I did. I regret, you know... If I could change it, I would have acknowledged those feelings that I was having for my friend and put a, and left my marriage and put that those feelings on hiatus, put them on the back burner until I processed leaving, until, you know, I had figured more stuff out for myself. I could have left in a better way mm -hmm. than I did. Mm -hmm. So that I regret. Do I regret leaving? No, no, it was, I still maintain it was the right thing to do for me. I, I wasn't willing to put up with more of the same for the rest of right. my life. Right. But Oftentimes when people leave their spouses for a catalyst, the catalyst and the spouse have a lot in common <laughs> because as human beings, we are often attracted to the same type of person, whether mm -hmm. we're there in a male body or a female body, yeah. because it is all related to our primary caregivers. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother episode. Sure. But yeah. It happens over and over. But I, I guess my question is, do you regret your relationship with your catalyst? And that's a tough question because there was so much about that relationship that was so damaging, but just to make it complex, there was also so much about that relationship that was revealing. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I mean, it's possible that I would have arrived at the same realization without her. And it's also possible that I might not have. And I think what I have claimed in my life by, by going through that experience was like, I, I'm grateful for the experience of learning that I have the capacity to love women the way that I do. Mm -hmm. And that alone has transformed my life greatly because, you know, not, not only have I found greater fulfillment 
in relationships with intimate relationships with women, but it's also led me to the partner who I have now. But it's also led me a little, it's it's led me to a more authentic version of myself. And I guess that's really the, the big reveal here is mm-hmm. that I've learned something about myself of how to, what makes me happiest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and I guess in the end, I guess, no, I, I don't regret it. There were th- some things about that relationship that were regrettable, yes. but I don't regret the relationship. And the reason why I ask that is because when people hear us be very honest, what this experience is like coming out later in life, it can sound scary. It's like, oh my God, I don't want to go through all that pain. Oh my God, what if I start dating somebody that's not good for me? But you know, all these things, but this is the thing is I'm going to push back gently on Barb. I think you probably would have come out if it wasn't with her, it would have been with somebody else. Because, you know, because I think that the universe is always us calling us to be the most authentic we can be in this world. Mm -hmm. So eventually, it may not have been right away, but eventually I bet Mm -hmm. you would have met some, you would have met someone or, you know, dated someone or you would have divorced and then said, well, maybe, you know, try dating men. And then you're like, well, maybe I'll start trying, you know, date women. Who knows? Yeah. Um, But the thing is, is that, Yes, all of this was painful for us. Parts of it, parts of it were incredible mm-hmm. and joyful and, and, you know, and still continue to be joyful and wonderful. Just because something is hard doesn't mean we regret it. And hard things are often the things that are most worth doing. And to quote Glennon Doyle, who is a late in life lesbian. Her podcast is we can do hard things. We can do hard things. Yeah. I wasn't intending to bring Glennon in at the end. (laughs) She just popped into my mind when we were talking about hard things. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing is that, yes, you can do, if you're listening to this, if you've had a catalyst, if you may not have had a catalyst, but you're thinking you're gay and you're like, oh my God, what if that happens to me? May or may not. But this is the thing is that, I think from every experience in life, we always learn something, For sure, you know, and Barb's a big old gay now. So I'm very thankful. To Thank goddess. Thank her that she came along and made Barb realize that she is not straight yes. because what would I do without my co-conspirator? Oh, <laughs> we're going to make the whole world gay by the time it's done, Barb. And glitter everywhere, Emery. There's unicorns. I'm going to go ride my, see, look, behind me is my, my little dragon slayer who rides a unicorn. So. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Barb, thank you so much for sharing this incredibly touching and painful and joyous story with us today. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And when we share our story, it lets other people hear their own. Mm -hmm. So for those out there who are struggling with any of this stuff, you are not alone. There have been people who've gone before you. There were people that went before Barb and I. There's a long legacy of queer people in the world that have helped each other out. Mm -hmm. And if you are struggling and you're looking for a home, come and join Barb and I in Lotus Group Coaching. It'd be wonderful to have you. We'll take good care of you and we'll make this part of your life a little bit easier.
Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We talked a lot today. Barb and I are going to make a little list now of everything we got to put in the links. <laughs> but first and foremost, we're going to go find that Katie Lang picture. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy. Bye. Bye. Okay. That was great. Awesome. You've been listening to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA plus stories with Anne-Marie Zanzel. New episodes of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast drop every other Friday. You can tune in at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and at annemariezanzel.com. Be sure to hit subscribe when tuning in so you never miss an episode. And for more resources, articles, videos, and a free downloadable guide for coming out later in life, visit annemariezanzel.com.